From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in storied Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Anna Webster, lead writer of The Foglands, to discuss writing for games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Thank you for showing us your cat, Anna. You are so very welcome. <laughs> it's re- really bringing the energy up for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. L- listeners won't see the cat, although you can send us a picture. Yeah. Ooh, um, yeah. But uh, it's an important pre-show thing. When there is a cat available, we'd like to see it. Mm-hmm. Or any sort of pet, of really. Yeah. So, Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Can you uh, do a little introduction? Like, So, hello. I'm Anna C. Webster. I'm a writer and a narrative designer for games. Um, so, I actually, like, totally never expected to be a game developer my entire life. I was in the performing arts. Um, I even went to, like, opera school at university for a year. And oh, then I cool. was like, um, I don't know about this, actually. Um, <laughs> and I got an English degree instead. And now I write video games. So I am the lead writer on The Foglands, which is an upcoming uh, anti-Western roguelike. Uh, we're very, very excited about it. And uh, yeah, I have a really fluffy cat uh, named Montezuma, who you all saw. So <laughs> Still a great name for a cat. It's a really fantastic yeah. cat. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, okay. I, I know this anti-Western is like a, mm-hmm. a, a, it's like a, a genre that you guys are defining, right? I remember yeah. you talked to me about this a little bit before. So before we get really into it, give us a little bit of a of a of a brief on that because I'm quite curious. Sure. So like an anti-Western, we're not necessarily defining it. This is a genre that's kind of been out um, in various spaces um, for a while, often with like indigenous creators. It's mm-hmm. kind of this idea that the Western is a really classically like American genre, right? It's a genre about tension. It's a genre about people who have fundamentally different worldviews in a hostile environment, essentially. Mm -hmm. But um, the anti-Western genre is kind of like, hey guys, uh, cowboys are fun and kind of cool, but actually what if this genre is built on a lot of horrific stuff (laughs) and um, has been mostly commandeered by like cisgender white men creators um, and well, maybe we need to do better. Um, so a lot of the genre of the anti-Western is about like tenants of returning, um, the narrative of the old West to the people who were actually there, like mm-hmm. indigenous creators mm-hmm. or, um, people who were, uh, I guess now they would be considered because a large part of the West was owned by Mexico. So they would be considered like Mexican or Hispanic. And then also, um, there were a lot of cowboys who were uh, black or African-American. So like, that's also a very important part of the genre. So mm-hmm. um, the anti-Western is kind of looking at the colonial setting of the Western and going, all right, how do we, how do we fight this? How do we basically um, sort of turn the genre in on itself? Like the Western is all about people with different cares fighting each other. So it's actually the pinnacle of the Western genre to have the Western fight the Western. Interesting. Um, So it's, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of a, it's an emerging, emerging thing. I've learned so much like, um, you know, myself, I am, you know, a white woman and I've learned so much about this particular genre um, throughout the work on this project and with our collaborators who are indigenous and it's, it's been really cool. We're really excited about this game. (laughs) Yeah. That's really neat. And games, in particular are so they lean into tropes so hard Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i mean i think that's true of all types of media but i think games are sort of uniquely tied to that familiar uh uh, you know uh structures of narrative yeah Yeah. and so it it is i mean this is my segue into really what makes games different (laughs) and the, the challenge that you have in particular with this type of thing and writing something that that is um uh, unexpected or might challenge a, a player, you know, and and you're not always trying to challenge the player with it. You're 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 trying to challenge the genre, right? Um, mm-hmm. But what I guess that's the that's the that's the question. What makes games writing different than sort of I don't know writing anything else? Yeah, um, there's so many things. The core sort of thing that I often go back to is the element of interactivity. Yeah, when you're writing for 
uh, screen or for stage or even a book, you are expecting the person engaging with the media, your player or your reader to be there and sort of watching the events unfold. Um, but in games, you literally have to think of your audience member as an active participant in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that element of interactivity, like there's all kinds of debates about like how games want to try to be movies sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like they kind of want that like Hollywood sort of feel and it's like, okay, guys. But if anything, I feel like I feel like games are actually much more akin to like interactive theater. I was um, going to say. <laughs> was they're, gonna, they're just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just interactive theater. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, they're much more akin to like a sheer madness or a Tina and Tony's wedding or like those kinds of shows where something is happening and you as the audience member are expected to participate in the events unfolding. Um, so that's like an extra dimension. So you already have to think about all the stuff you write, you, you know, your characters, your plot structure, the themes, all that kind of stuff that you would with any other genre. But there's this added dimension of interactivity mm-hmm. that you constantly have to think of. That also is a fantastic opportunity because it allows the stories that you tell to be really engaging and people feel really connected to them through games. So it's an extra challenge, but I think that the reward is like definitely worth it. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be doing this job. <laughs> I, uh, I am not a writer. Well, I'm a writer in that like I can write words, but I am not a writer in that like I get paid to do this uh, <laughs> for good reason. Um, and so what what I find really interesting and frankly challenging about the idea of writing for games is that the player is the, you know, there is an interactive aspect in it. They're the one, they're participating they are participating in the game and they can uh, ruin your story <laughs> as a result. Maybe? Right, isn't, isn't the player, the writer sort of yeah. relationship you have with that. Right. That right. Co-author. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's like a weird, I guess it's like a weird relationship. Uh, the way that I like to think of games is like, I like to think of it as communication effectively, specifically mm-hmm. um, the developer is communicating with the player and the player is communicating with the developer in a weird mismatched separate times space thing um but like i i find that to be really fascinating and i i'm i'm curious if you see that um when you're like when you're when you're writing for a game do you do you feel that and can you like channel that into something there's a whole lot of words that i don't know how much makes sense (laughs) i got you no this is actually a thing that like we think about in the in the process you know it's kind of like um I think sometimes people see it almost as like, you know, you're like DM or, or GM in yeah. a like tabletop where it's like, oh, you can do anything. Well, the thing about like with games is that you usually have a set of actions that a player can take. Mm-hmm. And usually when going into it, especially uh-huh. if like your game is like really reactive, um, like uh, I before I wrote for the Foglands, I wrote um, for Bloodlines 2. And so there was kind of this element of you have to figure out okay what are the what are the options we are allowing to player the player to take and what options should like never be on the table hmm. so like um with bloodlines 2 it was like we wanted the player to like the, you know you're a vampire you can be a horrible person if you want like you can be really mean and obnoxious if you want that's fine but at the same time it's like there are certain things that we never want the player to be mean about you know hmm. um that kind of thing you make these kinds of decisions um, usually like gameplay is tied in. So like what your core actions are, you, maybe you can ask questions, maybe you can, um, get quests, maybe you can, uh, and, and subsequently you have to be able to return a quest, um, that sort of thing. So you decide what the player can do. Um, but you also have to keep in mind, like what sort of things, should the player not be able to do partially because like scope just absolutely balloons out of control. (laughs) If you don't have those things like wild. Um, So you do need to sort of have a good sense of that when you go into actually production of the game. So that's usually like a a really early pre-pro decision. Um, And usually stuff like UI and gameplay loops and like all of that comes into a um, effect with that to help communicate to the player. Hey, mm-hmm. here are your actions. Here's what you can do in this game. Mm-hmm. And here's like, those are basically your, th- that's your menu. Those are your choices. This is what you can order off of, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So that's kind of what we do. Like, cause some players will want to be like, I'm going to embody this character I'm playing. And mm. so that they'll they mm-hmm. do a little role playing, even if the game is not asking them to do that necessarily. And then some players yeah. are like, this is me putting on this, this person's outfit. Yeah. So I'm going to just be me. Yeah. And yeah. so, and you're going to get both types of players, right? So you mm-hmm. need a system that can accommodate both. And right. I mean, exactly. And in sort of a marketability sense, satisfy both, but maybe sometimes mm-hmm. you are catering to one or the other, but you do, but you want the other one along with the ride. Maybe, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it it seems like more a logistical challenge than even a writing challenge mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, it really is. Um, and so much of it also has to do with production and scope mm. and like, what can we accommodate in the development time that we have? Um, that's a huge one. So like, you know, if you're making a giant RPG, you might have to cut a certain element. If you're like, we just don't have time to write all of those lines or we don't have time to build in like a stealth path for like this mission. Like that's, that's games, baby. You know, like stuff <laughs> has to get cut in order to accommodate for the time that you do have mm-hmm. um, in production. So, um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of writing for games is also being able to kind of turn on a dime, yeah, uh, and and shift what you're doing uh, to still try to accommodate production schedules and the original vision of the product itself. Yeah. Oh gosh, writing is hard. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We, we bring on guests so that Steven knows not to, to go outside his comfort zone. I think he gets still scared. It's not hard <laughs> to make me feel that way. <laughs> that sounds fun. You keep doing that. I'm going to stay over here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's valid. Oh, okay. I mean, that's not really the goal here on Nice Games Club. <laughs> right. You, you listener, you definitely can do this. I'm just going to acknowledge that you can do it. And yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to. Well, seriously, though, there is yeah. something to be said about like, it's important to understand another discipline, even yes. if it's not for you. Oh, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I use some of the, the this understanding skills to communicate with our narrative designer and writer, too. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it is important. It's a very valuable thing. Um, like you mentioned earlier, like, uh, you have to change things based off of, you know, scope and things like that. If during the iterative process mm-hmm. of, I guess, everybody else's iteration, how, how are you, like, how are you approaching the writing in the script um, based off of what has changed that is the art of it (laughs) (laughs) that that is the art of it um so a lot of it will kind of vary project to project right Mm -hmm. like there's so much of it is going to depend on the actual production so usually you know you've got a certain amount set up in like pre-production you're like all right here's our themes here's our characters here's like the stuff that we really don't anticipate is going to change put a little asterisk next to that (laughs) it may still change Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like that's just kind of the nature of it. So you have to just be very flexible. And as the iterative process continues, other departments are going to start bringing their own stuff online. What I found is the most useful is having regular narrative reviews. So like Hmm. as more things come online and as more elements of the story are actually physically written, see how those work together, right? Like see, how does it feel? Like, I always joke, you can really tell that I'm like a game writer, narrative designer with a theater background because I'm always like, well, how does that feel? How does it feel? You know, (laughs) Um, which is like the most like narrative designer question or the saying you could possibly have. Um, But yeah, it's, it's really tricky. The answer is that it's really hard. And sometimes it works really well. And sometimes it doesn't work very well. And you end up with people who have to um, like change a major feature that they built or the writers have to suddenly like drop something that they are working on in order to accommodate a certain, like something else. Yeah, It's just very flexible. That's why like communication and regular reviews is like, it has to be your bread and butter yeah. of production or it's going to be chaos, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> it's very tricky. Yeah. What, what happens in that impasse, right? It's like, okay, this, this uh this structure isn't working with this part of the story which we've already decided and agreed upon. So now we have mm-hmm. two things we like. We can't have both. What is that what is that discussion like? Mm-hmm. I mean, who is it just a is it just a you feel it out? Is there a creative director who just it has to be put on their on their shoulders to decide or <laughs> um it kind of depends on each studio probably operates a little bit differently yeah. in that scenario. In my experience, um, and this again is because I have a theater background. I'm usually like, okay, let's get everyone in the same room. That's like my, my normal approach to it is like, okay, we've got this situation here. Let's pull everyone in the same room and um, let's look at our two things that we've got that we both like. 
Um, and we also might have like a director there who might officially have like the final say. Um, like sometimes it might be, okay, we really like both of these things. Usually the, uh, the actual conversation is about finding what about those things that you really like. Mm-hmm. And then if you have these two things that both people like, like maybe it's a design thing and maybe it's like a story thing that just don't seem to like really match each other well. It's like, okay, what, what about each of those things do we really enjoy that feels really fulfilling? Maybe it's really satisfying. And then finding like, quote, like that third thing of like mm, what can yeah. work together. What's and often, yeah, like often in my experience, getting everyone in the same room and literally just talking it out with like, I mean, the biggest thing is like, people are really proud of what they've built and what they've written. Mm-hmm. And like, I get that. People want, they want their thing to like, outlasted and like win you know but it's not about it's not about winning you know it's about yeah finding what works um so i'm a big fan of the like let's get everyone in the same room together and like talk it out scenario um but of course every studio is going to be different right some might be like okay well we take this to the director level and the directors make the decision and we just then make whatever the directors say yeah um i'm really lucky in that i work at a small company so we can do the everyone in the room uh thing like a lot yeah. <laughs> it's really easy for us to yeah, do yeah, yeah. but That's, i imagine it's it's different based on your size that makes sense right and especially if you're a small company and you're a small you know development team the more you do that the more practiced you are at having those conversations and the more i think quickly and efficiently you can come to decisions mm-hmm. um and maybe mm-hmm. the more enjoyable it could be right because if you're working if you're in a room with a bunch of people you haven't worked with together a lot it can be a little bit <laughs> stressful um, yeah. And you yeah. can feel siloed off after a while, you know, if you're working on something for mm-hmm. yeah. two weeks and you haven't talked to anyone about it. Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. can feel bad, too. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something satisfying, too, about uh, sharing ownership over the, the finding that third thing. Yeah. Like, even just being in the room, it's like, well, they got rid of a f- two-thirds of the stuff that I did, but I was part of the solution, and so I don't feel, you know. Yeah. So it's a it's not just about making the work better, it's about making the working better. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that's a big component as well as in like um preventing burnout mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like burnout happens because people feel like they aren't appreciated and compensated fairly. So like if you are able to get everyone in the same room and say, Okay, like we have these two things here we really like, we like we don't want to scrap one of them. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? We want to find that third thing if at all possible, like everyone's contributions are meaningful. Um, that's just also, I used to work at a summer camp. I was a camp counselor. If you can't tell from, <laughs> like my approach to everything. Um, yeah, that's just, uh, that's how I approach it. <laughs> Do you start those meetings with, okay, campers. <laughs> okay, campers. Or like a song uh, to get everyone hyped. Yeah. 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 Get out the nylon string guitar. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I should though. I am wearing tie dye right now. Though, yeah, so. yeah. In the spirit, <laughs> I'm a caricature. It's fine. <laughs> so I we're kind of on a process um, line of thinking right now. So I have a couple more questions about that. You had mentioned, you know, sure. like doing regular narrative reviews is really important, especially as a different as additional departments come online. I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, if you think of it kind of like a series of departments coming online. Who comes online before narrative? Or is that like one of the things you should really start with, in your opinion? I think there's kind of two schools of thought on yeah. this. There are people who are like, quote unquote, like design first. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are like story first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm not one for like those strong, like two opposing forces thing. I'm a big believer that you have to build the design and the story simultaneously. So mm-hmm. usually... um, Usually narrative is one of the first things to come online because often the narrative will inform the design, but the design will also inform the narrative. Yeah. So it's usually like design and narrative are like usually some of the first people like in the room. And then there's usually also like engineering who might be like, guys, guys, we can't do that. You know, like, right. We love you guys. We love you guys. Um, to be like, no, seriously. Cars. Like, I'm from engineering. And a little quote on there, guys, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. No. <laughs> Actually, no. Some of my favorite creative decisions for like story or design problems have yeah. literally come from like engineers or programmers. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big myth that you guys like aren't the like quote unquote creative types. Just yeah, that true. out there. Programming is creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's that, it's that um, everybody in the room kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's why we, it's why we talk about this when we talk about playtesting. It's, um, mm-hmm. you don't, it doesn't really matter. Like expertise is important for like doing the work, but yeah. it's, it's not, it's not like a, it's not a door you're, you're stuck behind. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the ideas can come from anywhere. Solutions come from anywhere, especially something as multidisciplinary. It's like, there's no, there's no expertise in, <laughs> yeah. in combining these seven things in this set particular way right no one's ever been an expert in that so mm-hmm. everybody is free to everyone's as good as anyone else in tr- coming up with a way to make that work right yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's a good way of phrasing it um so i have a question about pushing and pulling information this is something i run into um with some of the games that i would been you know i worked on and a lot of the narratives that we um my company works with are actually very client driven so they'll come and be like, okay, we want a story where something like this happens and we have to work with them to figure out exactly what the details are at each, you know, turn of the plot because we're trying to depict some sort of real process and hopefully people learn yeah. from that. Anyway, so um, one of the things I've tried to do is create easy to use documentation diagrams and things like that um, so that this wide variety of people from different parts of my own company, which is figuring its stuff out, and also different parts of the client's company who might be bringing things on, they can look at that clear documentation and and get a sense of the story and also the design and how they fit together. Um, because otherwise, I'm having to have so many meetings where I'm walking everybody through it, you know, or I try to record it and I say, watch the recording, and they're like, well, you don't get it. Um, or, yeah. yeah, so I'm wondering... It, you know, what you think about in terms of the balance of creating information kind of repositories and resources that other parts of the team can pull from versus having meetings and, you know, for example, those narrative reviews where you're more pushing information out on the rest of the team that they need to know. How do you think about that? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a really like fine balance that has to be struck. I feel like, you know, (laughs) in that scenario, (laughs) it's tough. Um, And yeah, so like the tip, a lot of the typical processes of building a story is that there is some typical repository documents that like a narrative department would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so these can be things like they're sometimes called story bibles. Um, I often opt for uh, story codex instead, um, or uh, some people have like a narrative like one pager um, to sort of basically literally give people the absolute most condensed version of the story possible. Mm-hmm. Um, character briefs are really important. You can even condense that into a single document. That's great for showing to like stakeholders, especially if they need to like um, have context for a scene or a story moment. Um, there's stuff like that, that usually an, a narrative department in pre-production would build. And these things are, um, they are definitely considered living documents, right? Um, pretty much everything we write is a living document, but these things are general pillars that can help other departments figure out like, okay, here's, here's what our world looks like. Here's what our characters look like. Here are our themes. And that can really help. Um, and the other thing is, as you said, like they have to be really short, right? <laughs> yeah. Because like everyone has so much to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we writers, you know, we might love going into these details of like everything, every character, every like, we love that kind of stuff. But at the same time, uh, in our like informational documents, we have to be brief because time is at a premium, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so those are a really good resource, but also you do have to do more of like the quote unquote, like pushing of the content, right? Where you're like, Hey, here's what we've got. We really want feedback on this. Um, in reviews and stuff like that, because um, you have to have communication going to narrative and from narrative mm-hmm. at all times. If, you know, all departments really, yeah. if any of those directions break, it's chaos, yeah. you know? So um, you do have to strike a really fine balance with that. And that's tricky. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to know that it's tricky for you because. It's tricky for oh, me. Yeah. So now I feel I feel a little reassured that it's just tricky. Yeah. No, it's just tricky. Narrative yeah. is just tricky. <laughs> yeah, that's that's well, just how it is. It's also something you can bond with the programmers over because it's documentation. And that's, that's <laughs> yeah. not for everybody, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's well, the point. There's something specific I yeah. want to ask about that, which is you're talking about the, like these condensed short summaries that need to be distributed mm-hmm. so everybody's kind of on the same page. Uh, how do you balance what the purpose of those are? Because I think... 
Hmm. Um, there's two ways that I could think to do it. And you let me know if, if I'm off the rails on this, which is describing <laughs> sure. like, so, you know, when you're giving it to the art department, like they need mm-hmm. to, you know, they need to come up with what's, what's the wardrobe for this character. So they need to a little mm-hmm. bit of this character's motivations and so they can get some inspiration and, and be on the same page with you. So you can be specific to give them sort of actionable information. Not that you're making those choices for them, but that they can then make the choices based on what those, what the choices you've made. Or right. you can be much more like, this is what my, what the point of it is. This is the purpose. This is what I want people to take away a little, little softer, a little bit more, because sometimes that is more important. I think like to understand yeah. like why uh, this character is this way or why I'm writing it this way so that this is the mm-hmm. meaning I'm giving to, but that can be really hard to explain mm-hmm. and usually takes a couple more pages. Yeah. Uh, at least in my yeah. experience. So how do you balance that sort of like, this is a technical document versus this is something to get everybody feeling the story mm. in a way that can inspire them creatively. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely want to provide as much context as you can to basically point people in the right direction. Yep. Is kind of what I try to do. Um, so like if I was going to write a character brief um, and I actually draw a lot on my theater experience because a lot of times when you get like a, a, a character side or a character brief for um, an audition, they might give you the bare minimum about this character and mm. they kind of want to see like what your interpretation would be like. Mm. So I kind of try to think about like, what are the essential details that are like essential truly to the depiction of this character? Like, you know, um, like how old are they? Like, what is their ethnicity? What is um, like their their general themes or their general personality? And then especially for stuff like art, um, what I like to do is kind of be like, yeah, I'm sort of thinking this and I'll keep it kind of loose. Like I'd be like, okay, so maybe, maybe this girly is like, I don't know, like a TikTok e-girl, right? I'd be like, yeah, all right. This is how, this is a totally fictitious character. I've never written a TikTok e-girl. That doesn't mean it will happen one day. But so far. We'll all be writing um, that eventually. (laughs) (laughs) But like, so she's a TikTok e-girly, right? Mm. You'd focus on like her outfit and her makeup and you might be like, okay, so she typically wears this, right? Um, But also based on her personality, I often like to include more likely to do this than that. So like Mm. if this girly, she loves her accessories, she's probably more likely to carry a purse than a backpack, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe she's more likely to wear heels than flats. Like that kind of thing where it's like, it's not impossible, but it's more likely. And usually stuff like that, I feel like helps artists kind of figure out that balance of um, what this character might be like. And writers also, we absolutely love like turning over character concepts to artists because like they come back with art and we're just like, it's beautiful. (laughs) Like like you could show me a stick figure and be like, I drew your character. And I'd be like, yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, pointing people in the right direction is kind of the vibe that I try to go for where it's like, here's the space we're kind of operating in. Of course I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. If you have any ideas, like throw them out. I'm very much, a believer in, in like, I, everyone has their own expertise and like, yeah. I want to hear it, you know, <laughs> I want to hear it. That is an extremely collaborative, like technique mm-hmm. that like more likely this than that. It's so extrapolatable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I, that's really, that's, qu- that's quite genius. I think like, uh, as a, thank you. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just new to me, but like that idea being handed something like that, Let's me make a lot of creative decisions and not feel imposed upon. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. it's still following the directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I was sort of saying, like, is it is it is it technical or is it sort of inspirational? And you've just described a, a way to make it both. That's the goal. It's that third thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like finding that third thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to do anyway. <laughs> Everyone's got their own processes. But. Right. Yeah, there's no one right way. And that's why, like, you got to sort of, it's it's good to interrogate how other people do things. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you'll just be like, oh, amazing. I never would have thought to do it that way. Yeah. And yeah, now I want to try it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I wrote down extrapolatable because that's also a good word. It's uh, mean, a good word. Yeah. word is a stretch, but. <laughs> hey, if it's good enough for Chaucer, Chaucer and right. Shakespeare, yeah, you know, they can, you can make up words too. Exactly. They can mishmash. You can mishmash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I love the way you said mishmash. Yeah, mishmash. one more time, Ellen. Mishmash. Thank you. Um, I'm curious how many words. This is a real hard question because you have to remember what you've every done single in the past. one of the words. Anyway, yeah, all of the words. No, um, do you, do you have like a ballpark on like how many words you write for a game? And then like, oh my gosh, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> it's a kind of hard. That's question. so hard. Yeah. Like that would be. It really varies That's from true. project to project. Like, like a range, I guess. Like twenty thousand words. 20,000 is like pretty decent. Okay. Like that's like a, that's pretty chonky, you know, okay. like, um, like, you know, it, it really, it really depends on All the right. project. Like some, yeah. if you're having like, of course, like a branching narrative and you have lots of dialogue choices, like your numbers are going to be like really up there. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're writing, you know, a pretty small, like one shot kind of game, it's going to be a lot smaller, you know, right, it, right, right. it really is so flexible. I think that's, um, I think that's what feels really daunting about writing for me personally, is it feels like I have to do, I have to put in a lot of words. Um, no. And I realize, you, you know, it depends on the size <laughs> of your, but like, I'm always trying to make, if I'm going to make a game by myself, it's going to be small. Cause I, I ain't got no time to make a epic. Um, and so like the way I think of it is like, I, I see like other writers and they're writing a whole bunch of stuff and they have, even if it's just a few branches, um, it still feels like a lot of writing and maybe yeah. part of it is like, I don't have enough context or to understand the scale. Um, but like I see our narrative designer and I see what she's writing and it's just like a lot of text. And it's good text. There's a lot of text. So I think about like when I, if I wanted to do that, um, I feel, I guess I feel a little bit of pressure on myself to write. I would need to write a bunch. And that was like the worst thing I was when I was in high school. Oh, <laughs> is whenever no. they would give me a limit on how many words I'd have to write, I would just make up crap so it would fit within the work. You yeah. missed that GPT by twenty years or whatever. I know. <laughs> I, oh gosh. No, I mean I totally get that. Yeah. I mean the nice thing about games is that we do have such a space to mm. like freestyle with, um, like because some of it is is also just your individual writing style, sure. like. Yeah. Some people just are more wordy. Others are not as wordy. Um, I can do both depending on the style of the game. You know, like it, it really varies. I think a lot of people are intimidated by like, they imagine the sheer amount of words that they might have to write to tell a story in a game. But games are more about feeling mm. in my experience. So like you can have a game with no words at all and still be incredibly evocative in a storytelling sense because you've got all these other disciplines like you've got lighting you've got sound sound is so huge for mm -hmm. storytelling um and so you can tell a story without any dialogue whatsoever in a game but you know it's also just kind of down to what are you what are you trying to communicate like is this one character really chatty in the Foglands, we have one character who's so chatty. Like, <laughs> she just talks a lot and talks really fast. And, like, that's just her character. Sure. You might have a character who's a bit more standoffish. And they might just be like, yes, no, sorry, I'm busy. You know, like, you're going to have... <laughs> and, like, that tells so much about them with very little words, you know? Yeah. Like, so much of it is very flexible. Sure. Um, but the biggest thing is, like, I get how narrative can seem intimidating, especially to folks from other disciplines. But, like, we're just messing around and having fun and seeing how <laughs> things work. And that's like, what we're all doing at the end of the day, right? Yeah, pretty much. Right? You know, don't be intimidated. Like, just give it a shot. Like, yeah. it's, it's fun. <laughs> we each have different tools, different little toys we've brought into the same sandbox. Yeah. yeah. There's, exactly. There's a fundamental inefficiency to... To writing, I think, okay, which is hard to switch over to if you're if you spend all your time in another discipline. Sure. And as someone who bounces around a lot, I think about writing is unique in that way, where you really can. You get your terse character who doesn't say much. You're not necessarily going to spend less time writing that character, right? Than the one who's chatty, right? And yeah. and also the player may not see any of that. Yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> when you write a, like a you know a great piece of engineering, like that is going to that alone is going to provide like so much return to the player in terms of like time spent and experience yeah. offered. Yeah. And so it's so much more efficient. And even when it comes to art, which is, you know, you could argue one way or the other, but in my experience, a lot of times when you're designing art for games, that th that efficiency is as important as it is when you're programming. Mm. But with writing, you do have to just lean back a little bit 
at least in my experience, I think because I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not professionally disciplined as a writer, mm-hmm. but so it's probably different. Maybe Anna, for you as, as someone who is, it, it, you have, you actually have deadlines and, and milestones and stuff for writing, whereas <laughs> yeah. I usually just do it for fun or on my own projects. Um, mm-hmm. But I always have to get out of the mindset of like, uh, of efficiency. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Even though that's like a thing that is going to hang over you. Right. Yeah. No, that's very true. Writing professionally is a whole other animal compared to like, I just really like to write for fun, you know, Mm -hmm. like writing professionally is like, all right, here are the beats we have to hit. We got to do it by Friday. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, you write this part, you write this part, you write that character, like go, like (laughs) it is, it's very different. (laughs) I still love it though. (laughs) (laughs) I like them both. Yeah. I think one of the, maybe the, maybe this is a blessing in disguise, but one of the things that makes writing for interactive media a challenge can also be something that can, you know, can be beneficial, which is you've got so many other things you can bounce off of, right? So like if you're writing a novel, not that I've ever written a novel, I mean, I'm probably tried and went up on archive of our own or whatever, but like, it's all in your head, right? And so, like, you, if you get stuck, you got to work through it. You know, you can get different inspiration from other places, but like, you you are the person who is making the characters do the things and react to things and you have to create the events that they're going to respond to and so on and so forth mm-hmm. with you know writing for interactive media especially when you have so many other people that are bringing their own disciplines like okay i have to write to this scene but what if the char- what if the player at this point is going to have a choice and they can do this or this okay well now you have some things you can bounce off of and mm-hmm. it's not just coming from your own head and your own time like looking at the screen and just getting words on the page um I have found that a lot easier to deal with when I've had to write, especially like branching scenarios and branching narratives. It's like, okay, well, we need to be able to showcase these different scenes. So how do we get there? We just kind of work backwards like a puzzle. Um, And that can, that can be a fun experience, but it's different than just pulling it like agonizingly one little preposition at a time out of your own meat brain. I'm hearing a lot of similarities between that and game design. Uh, mm-hmm. in ways that makes it feel good because it makes me feel like I could do this. <laughs> We're back. Well, I'm totally... again. <laughs> well, listen, okay, okay. Again, camp counselor here, former camp counselor. <laughs> you can totally do this, okay? Like, I think there's a lot of people out there who feel intimidated by narrative and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to try like writing for a game. It's like, do it. Go mm-hmm. for it. There's yeah. time mm-hmm. for like, just, just give it a shot. Like, what do you got to lose? Like, just have fun. <laughs> So I'm glad you're feeling confident. I love hyping other people up. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got this. Thank you. You can totally you. do this. I do got this. Well, it's a lesson we have to relearn on Nice Games Club from time to time, which is that yes. all things are the same. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like everything is yeah. super hard. Yep. It's, everything's uh-huh. su- super harder than you think. Yeah. <laughs> and you can do it all. Yeah. If, yeah. if you want to. If you want to. If you wanted to, yeah. you totally could. It's all within your reach. Mm-hmm. It's, you're not going to have a lot of fun at, at the beginning. <laughs> You may yeah, not have fun at the end, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can do it. You that's can do the it. important yeah. thing. We have a perfect podcast. Yeah, no, nothing worth changing. Nothing, nothing worth changing. Okay. I mean, a listener hearing that might be like, uh, you know, I've got some thoughts. Oh, oh. You know, I mean, not that I believe that. Right, right, right. It's a perfect podcast. Uh-huh. Right. Perfect no notes. Yes, but. If someone were to hear us say that and and just be like completely flabbergasted by our confidence, mm-hmm. how might they express that to us? Well, I mean, there are many places they could get in touch with us on social, but we have a specific place you can get in touch with us where you don't necessarily have to be like, "Hi, I'm Ellen B. Johnson, and I think you know Stephen's mic is too loud." Um, yeah, well, that was a note we got. It's a good note. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the podcast is not perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We got that back in the day. So if you want to let us know that our podcast is perfect, I guess you can go to nicegames.club slash feedback and let us know. Oh, yeah, that's the place. Protect your anonymity. But I, I guess I, I, I recognize a lot of the similarities between uh, design and writing um, in that, like, there's the, the, the where you start is can be anywhere i guess but like you you'll have ideas and you kind of have to link things together to get all those ideas to work together um right in a way that i think is really fascinating um and i hadn't really considered that with respect to writing um i oftentimes i guess i i think whenever i think of writing i think of school and i'm like i have an objective <laughs> i need to write this essay oh. <laughs> 
and like because yeah. I, I didn't really do a lot of creative writing um when i was going to mm-hmm. school um but now that i have the opportunity to do that i guess i still kind of think of writing in that way or at least when i want to write that's how i think of it is like i have an objective and this is how i need to write it so i will just write this and maybe add some fluff to make it sound kind of fun uh <laughs> <laughs> because it's not you kind of got it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm a writer then. <laughs> well, it's um, like, um, mm-hmm. usually we have like, we call them beats, like story yeah, beats. Story beats, okay, yeah. Okay, here's, yeah, here's our objective. And like, you want to, you want to hit all of those notes, but you also want to say something, you know, with right. your themes and your, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it is a little, it is a little bit like that, like you yeah. said, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's just fascinating. You're everything is the same as everything else. <laughs> I learned that lesson every like three days. It's great. Well, it's you know, as when you're doing game design, you're trying to impart meaning through yes. interactivity, right? Right, right, right. And narrative is meaning through story, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it's other things. But one of the challenges both disciplines share is yeah. handing that 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 moment over to the player. So that's yes. why that's why games that try to be movies tend to like have this real struggle between. Like scenes that are important to the story being in like buried in a cutscene mm-hmm. where you're just watching it versus scenes yeah. that are really important being something where you're like, you know, shooting a bunch of dudes with an AK forty seven on a yeah. rooftop yeah. and it doesn't feel like story anymore. Right. But like it's an important moment in the in the in the plot because and that that struggle is so difficult. But so uh, Anna, as a writer, like very specific, like you want characters to say things to each other. Yeah. But then sometimes you need to not you need to hand that moment that important pivot in the in the plot that twist that uh that that conclusion that that transition to a new beat that you're handing that to the player and they might just be running around in the overworld or whatever yeah <laughs> like it, and or maybe the best you can do because you have limited tools sometimes to deliver uh like words um sometimes and some and writing isn't always just that but how 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 do you face that struggle? Because game designers have the same problem, which yeah. is like we're trying to impart a meaning, but you, you it's up to the player to build it. Right. Right. And so with with writing, it's actually it, much more of a of a of a technical challenge, really. Of like, you know, how do you make sure they hear what you, you know, what the character says in that moment? They're not the they don't have the camera pointed in the wrong direction uh, because you're not in a cutscene. You know. Yeah. No, that's that's a huge challenge, honestly, especially in in VR, right? Yeah, Where the right. players like <laughs> the players literally could just be like chilling in the same room, not looking, not paying attention, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that's when things get really tricky because you need to find a way to keep the player engaged. Um, a really good example of this is in um, Half Life Alex. Actually, there's a cutscene where. Um, you're like planning out your route of attack with your, well, it's not really an attack, but you're, you're planning out a route with your companion character. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, let's look at this. Um, uh, grab something to represent us and set it on the map. So like the, the player or the NPC is literally like, um, I want you to do this thing to like help us progress the story moment. So you can like go and like maybe pick up a cup or whatever and put it down on the map. And then he's like, okay. And then uh, grab something to represent like someone else. And then you might go do that. And then they're like, okay, so here's where we are. And like the NPC might literally move things around on the map mm. to, and it's, and it's the items that the, the player has chosen. Yeah. Um, so literally finding those granular moments of like keeping the player <laughs> involved mm-hmm. is really, really essential in, especially when like you don't have cutscenes really in like mm-hmm. VR. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a real danger of relying too much on cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my sibling one time had a, an anecdote about like, sometimes games feel like you read a chapter of a book, you throw the book across the room, you get up, you gr- go walk over to the book you pick the book up, you go back to your chair, you sit down, and then you read the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought that was the like the most brilliant explanation of really cool. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, dang, they they nailed it. Yeah. Um so like trying to avoid that is really tricky. And you constantly just have to think of ways, little tiny granular ways to keep the player involved. Yeah, and those things can be expressed. I mean, that's uh, 
everyone needs to share in that, right? That's some game design involved, like the Half-Life Alex example. There's some game design involved. There's some engineering involved mm-hmm. just to make that work. But it's fundamentally a story point. Yeah. And I think uh, um, uh, Dale and I just played through uh, Star Trek Resurgence, which is a Telltale style game. Mm-hmm. And one of the things mm-hmm. it does is it gives you tons of interactive moments that don't matter at all. Ah. But just keep yeah. you keep your hands on the controller. Yeah. Sure. yeah. In a way that like, I think a lot of gamers will look at that and be like, nah, that's lazy. But like, actually, that I think that's very, that's very smart from a narrative perspective yeah and one of my favorite ones is you have like a self-destruct code late in the game because of course and (laughs) it asks you to you know you ever see like uh, like uh, picard code alpha tango 37 or something right like it's a little little bit of world building they do uh, on the show you get to choose what those words are (laughs) (laughs) and then like and then later in the game uh, it comes up again and the and the the, your character just says it Mm -hmm. uh and and even though that's nice. in the middle of a cutscene, you got to choose that. Yeah. Arbitrary, does not matter at all, makes has no impact on the narrative whatsoever, but like a really, really strong narrative component yeah. that is interactive and involves the player. Yeah. Um, Point of connection. In a game that is otherwise just a bunch of cutscenes with button prompts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like that can still be innovative and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. I love that concept. Like that wouldn't like I'm even thinking like that wouldn't even be hard to set up. You oh, yeah. know, mm-hmm. like it's not hard to set up at all from a design standpoint. Like that's like cheap, pretty much. But like, it's still so validating to the yeah. player that like a choice that I made is now happening, even though it's small. You know, yeah. that's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, that that it those those cheap wins. Like they, yeah. it feels like cheating <laughs> sometimes, but like that's the it's the disconnect between what matters and what's hard what's hard to build and what the players take away. Mm-hmm. There's no one to one correlation right. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. like the yeah. one of the hardest things to make in games is a save data system. Oh my gosh. Players don't care. Honestly. Right, like they just expect it to work. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the, the, uh-huh. they're not going to appreciate the extra love and care you put into that. Uh, you know, to make sure that the files don't get corrupted. Yeah, but that's still going to take yeah. a lot of your time. Yeah, yeah. and it's I think or it's like, true across disciplines. Yeah, like or like item persistence. Yeah, oh my like God. you go from one map to another, like. And my, like, I don't know a lot about engineering. I'm a writer, but like over the many projects that I have been in, item persistence is hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just an example that you cited earlier that fits into this is that your chatty character, like you, the player needs to understand that they're chatty, but the only way to do that is to write a lot of dialogue, maybe not all of it that they will see. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's a ton of yeah. effort for a small expression and it, whereas in a movie, you could do that by someone just talking fast and the character running by them. You, right. could, you could quickly communicate that concept mm. with a lot less work mm-hmm. than you can mm-hmm. in an interactive medium. Um, but it's but you can communicate something equally important to the player much simpler in other scenarios, right? Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> steven's got his thinking head on I, I am i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm like hmm what should i write next uh how do you what what tools do you use to to organize your thoughts and in, in your writing yes um because i uh you know i'm it's all new to me yeah uh i mean it's not notepad primarily yeah probably that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this really varies from writer to writer um and studio to studio when mm. it comes literally to tools so I am, you know, big fan of ye old Google Drive. Sure, um, yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, I love that multiple people can work on it at the same time. Uh, I feel like my producer would frown at me if I didn't mention Confluence. We <laughs> love keeping documentation on there. Um, but also, like, uh, some people use additional programs. Like, there's uh, one called Scrivener that, like, mm. people use that... Um, allows them to like keep track of a bunch of their notes and the actual document itself. Some people really like those. Um, so those are tools for like keeping thoughts organized that people sometimes use. Um, when it comes to actually writing the game, a lot of it, a lot of, especially big studios will have proprietary software. So mm-hmm. like, um, because <laughs> there really isn't any sort of industry standard when it comes to actual tools that you work in to make narrative. Like a lot of times it's in-house built. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a couple of tools on the market that people can use like Ink or like Godot or Artisy Draft, you know, there's those kinds of things. But um, a lot of the time it is really unique to the project with what you use. So when you come onto a project as a writer, you're kind of just like, all right, what are we working with here? And you like, you figure it out, you know, yep. <laughs> you just figure it out. 
That's cool. I, I I mean, I appreciate that. Like Google Drive is a good one to stick with. <laughs> right. It always so does the job. A lot of options, frankly. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, the we talk about constraints being valuable, but mm-hmm. sometimes no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like sometimes yeah. just a blank page is kind of what you need because mm-hmm. you're you're sort of building the system. You don't always need to prototype it, right? Yes. But for that ink and twine, they're available. Right. right. Um. But yeah, every project is yeah. different, right? Yeah. Yeah. That must be scary a little bit. I mean, I guess you're used to it now, but like, it must be a little bit like, uh, okay, I, I, this worked really well in the last project, but like, I don't know what the next project's going to store for me. Cause you have to, there's some, like, you have to do a lot of learning mm. and that's time yes. you could have spent, if there was things were more standardized, it's time you could have spent working. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more scary when you're first starting out mm-hmm. um, because you have to learn all of these things just to kind of get up to speed. Um, with people currently working in the industry. The good thing is that a lot of the tools that are like in-house built or maybe even some of the out-of-the-box ones like Artisy Draft, um, a lot of them have a lot of similarities. And as long as you know like what you do really well, like, okay, I know how to set up um, like logic and variables, no problem. You just have to figure out how to do it in that unique program. Right. So like, as long as you know your stuff, you can kind of figure it out in pretty much any program. Um, and they're all, it's kind of like, you know, if you know one game engine, it's kind of easier to learn another game engine yep. because you know, yep. like yeah. the functionalities that should exist in there. It's just, you don't know how to get there mm-hmm. in that specific program or like what keystroke or like whatever. So yeah. Um, it definitely gets easier as you go along. Um, I honestly don't mind the continuous learning aspect um, because like I often sometimes am inspired by story moments by what the particular tool can do. Hmm. Like, oh, it's really cool that we, we can do this thing where like maybe in your tool, you can have play- characters interrupt each other. That's actually a really hard thing to set up. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can have characters interrupt each other. And it's like, okay, what if we have two characters that hate each other and they keep <laughs> interrupting each other because they're tired of hearing the other one talk? Like, I would get inspired by the literal functionality yeah, of yeah. the tools. So I, I personally don't mind. I mean, I can't speak for all writers. I'm sure there are some who find it really annoying, but um, I, I don't mind. It's mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up inspiration because that was going to be my next question. Uh, where <laughs> you get your inspiration from it sounds like you get your inspiration from your tool set which is great yeah. um but are there other <laughs> avenues that you that you found helpful um to, to totally. keep writing when you need to so a lot of um this is gonna of course vary from writer to writer mm-hmm. i am one of those writers where i could literally pull inspiration from like anything a lot of people like to find you know, a comparable, another comparable game, or maybe um, a movie, like movies are really popular comparisons, uh, for better or worse. Um, (laughs) I, I love to be like, all right, so like, a lot of times I'll be like, so my inspiration was this one Philip Glass opera, and everyone's like, okay. Um, And I'll be like, and then there's this painting by Sargent that I really like, and I like this painting. And um, I'm also really inspired by this one natural phenomena. I stayed up really late reading Wikipedia articles on. Um, and like, so I like to pull all sorts of things that um, from all sorts of areas of life, because when you're a writer, I think you kind of just want to know everything about everything. And there's so many cool things in the world. There's, you could live a million lifetimes and still not know everything. Yeah. So I look to all kinds of art mediums. I look to the natural world. I, I look to science. I look, um, I look to history, you know, um why not i think that's really um i think that's a really fun way to create a game with a unique feeling too um at least in my experience yeah i think games do need more of that right like Mm. it's um partly because they are such logistical challenges it yeah (laughs) it can be hard to and this is not the same as like games are boring or, or or novelty is good or anything yeah but like um I think you're describing a pretty like a really like robust inspiration process for a writer in any medium. Um, but it, it does seem like it's maybe a little harder to keep that alive as a games writer. Is that, is that accurate? It can be tricky. Um, like 
you know, sort of alongside of my previous answers, like communicating what those inspirations are to people can be really helpful. Yeah. And when you pull from a wide variety of sources, um, I find that like some might really click with some people based on what their particular background is. Like if I said, oh, I've got this painting that really inspires me because of like the light um, and stuff like that. Like an artist on the team might be like, oh, I so I totally get it, you know, um, like just because people approach things through their own experience. So I find if you if you f- find a variety of things and you communicate that to the rest of the team, it can actually be really helpful to help people see what what you're thinking about mm-hmm. and like what you are really focusing in on. Retaining that can be really tricky across like, you know, the entire duration of a project. That's a really long time. Um, But finding ways to continuously sort of sew those into your narrative moments and um, all of your other elements within the story, I think you can make it work. But like, like you said, it's a logistical challenge. It definitely is. But you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen's funny Steven right now. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I need to process everything and then yeah. like ask you a bunch of questions again. <laughs> yeah, can you just stick around for a couple of days and so Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll okay, well, wait. Can... <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Lots of good ideas that are like super timely for what I'm working with right now. Um so oh, yay. very happy that you came on the show here this July seventeenth. 2023 <laughs> gave us this guidance. One moment in history. Moment yeah. in history. Moment in his- design history. Yeah, exactly. Pivot. <laughs> well, we'll see what I can do with it. But yeah, um, yeah, super helpful. I think for narrative designers and writer writers of all stripes. Yeah. So it's an experience. Well, one of the things we say on the show is like, if you're interested, just start doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big theme yeah. today. Yeah. But um, maybe let's end with um, if you have any more advice on someone who is either they've they've never made any game before or they've they've been they've made a ton of games and they want to try out narrative um what how do they start what are the what are the um practical and impractical or practical and broadly sort of generalized uh, uh advice on like what's the first step yeah um there are you know <laughs> there's actually many first steps in that um no one really comes into game narrative with a like typical backgrounds mm-hmm. like people hmm. ask like oh well how do you get into that and it's like well we just kind of end up here is kind of the answer <laughs> like i know there's so many narrative so if you're, lost, you're already in good shape yeah you're, yeah congratulations you've already mastered the first moment of like your narrative design career um yeah so like usually you're right the first thing is just start doing it so usually what I would recommend to people if they're really interested in learning how to do game writing is make something really small. And I do mean really small, like maybe it's a like single kind of event thing. Um, there's lots of free programs out there. There's Twine, there's Bitsy, where, um, and there's also like forums associated with those if you want to find out how to do like a particular thing. Um, like maybe you want your... Uh, you're doing like a little Red Riding Hood game and you're trying to take the basket of food to your grandma and you'd be like, oh, I have to do an item transfer. Like, how do I how do I do that in variables in Twine? You know, there's people who can tell you how to do that on the forums. Making something small for yourself and completing it is huge, um, not just in, in a game's perspective because making something and shipping it is like, it sounds simple, really hard, right? Yeah. Um, but it also allows you to go through the process of it because like the joy of writing and narrative design is in the process, right? That's why we do it. We love doing it. So when you make something really small, you're able to learn the process of it and go, okay, maybe, um, I need to learn more about doing this next time. Or like, what could I have done different next time? Um, make little things like that and continue, continually, um, experiment you can also work on like building a portfolio of writing samples. And that's like a whole, I could give like a whole GDC talk on like building a portfolio because there's like a huge art to it. But just start like, you know, writing things that you'd want to include in a portfolio, like maybe some barks or um, a short scene in like a screenplay format, building all that together. Just practice, like writing, a lot of writing is like just practicing. Um, 
my dad was a professional journalist and he always used to say that the hardest part of writing is just keeping your butt in the chair. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So just practice, just, um, you're, and also, because I know this is also a PSA for us, all, all of us game people, because I know we like to be very perfectionistic in our work. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be perfect at it at first. That's normal. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's all right. Expect things to like not work great. Uh, you got to stick with it. Give yourself grace. Um, it's really hard. And of course, like, networking with other game writers. If you're interested in um, like a certain person's work, reach out to them about it. A lot of game writers, we do like mentorships with other um, like upcoming writers. Uh, the community is actually really friendly. We're all just kind of goofy people and <laughs> we love helping out others. So, um, you know, like get to know who has the sort of jobs that you might want to have one day and ask them, you know, about their experience or if they say they do portfolio reviews, like just go for it. It's scary, but you can do it. That's the message. Um, yeah. So like, that's typically what I try to tell people is like, you can do this. It's just, it, it takes time. It takes practice. And sometimes that means talking to people. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, but uh, but you can do it, and um, you know there's a room for all of us at the table. It's a really big table. It keeps getting bigger every day, and we keep making more chairs. So pull one on up, baby. <laughs> I love it. It's That's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, I'm like I'm not surprised, but like a brilliant advice. B, I can hear the camp counselor coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's you know it's what people need in this time yeah. yes agree yes <laughs> it's yeah i think i think it's a good a, a good vibe to have especially in like an industry that is so you know high strung shall we say as yeah. games where everyone's so pressed for time and so stressed out like sometimes you gotta be like you're doing your best my dude i'm proud of you you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh where can people go for more camp counselor vibes yes oh my gosh totally (laughs) um you can totally find me on socials um my handle like on twitter and stuff is anna c webs um you can find me there i also one of my like narrative design loves is actually horror games i love horror game narrative particularly so i have what a sub stack called resident anna games? <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you I just... huh? <laughs> what is it with narrative designers and horror games i don't get it <laughs> it's not just you we love horror games. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it's fine <laughs> i love it i love them but yes you can check out um my my subsec is called Resident Anna, uh-huh. um, where I talk about uh, narrative design and psychology and everything of horror game narrative specifically. Mm. And you can totally check out um, our upcoming game, The Foglands. You can find it on the PlayStation Store. You can wishlist it, follow us um, on socials, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's the plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that game, but it is a very, very unique. I think people really should check it out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's if it even if it doesn't sound like oh, I might not be interested in that. Like it, you will be interested in it. It's very interesting. We're so proud of it, honestly. Like uh, the people who are like part of the really core team of Well Told, who've been there since the company was founded. This is like their baby. They've Aww. like looked at this concept for so many years mm-hmm. and. I'm so delighted to have gotten to collaborate on this. Um, the other writer I've worked with on this project, Natalie Daniels, is brilliant. And like, we're so excited for people to experience our story. So check it out. It's cool. There's cowboys. Um, what more could you want? <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, I am like legit going to do writing during a game jam or something because I'm like inspired. Yeah. This is good. I'll do the dirt programming and you do the writing. Yes! Let's do it! Air 5. Air 5. Table 5. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) We did. I better learn some Godot real fast. (laughs) Okay. I've written before so I'm okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's our show.
For show notes and links on today's discussion, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and programmable keys. We like hearing from you, so please tweet and toot back, or email us, contact at nicegames.club. We are on Patreon. You can support the show, and you can get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at cheating again. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. 